is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name it's on it. Kind of, it kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! I was a little miffed yesterday. Not going to lie. I didn't like the way I was treated on this show yesterday. Oh, jeez. I didn't, I didn't care for the way I was treated by my family competitor. here. Be a competitor. I didn't like the Gosh. way my family treated me. You guys are, we're family, the four of us. And, you know, sometimes we squabble. But I, I, I kind of felt like I was mistreated a little bit yesterday. So I went mm. back and I really thought about it. And, and as usual, Brock, when I feel like I've been treated poorly, I tend to look inward. I tend to look at myself. <laughs> Don't lash out. And see kind of what mistakes I may have made in order to get you guys to the point where, you know, uh-huh. you would make me feel as, uh, as if I was the victim. And so I thought I would really try to change Justin, my own. Do you own... remember saying anything to Salk yesterday? Because mm, I believe that was... Brock read him a text and yeah. now we're getting lumped and in. And that was projected onto him. Well, I was just surprised. I didn't realize that I was the Seahawks can't stop the run guy. I don't know that I feel that way. I was I was been sort of labeled now as the guy who thinks as hard about the Seahawks inability to stop the run as Brock did about the Mariners not having a good DH, which was like mm-hmm. a daily source of aggravation, not just on the air. But if I were to go through our text thread and, both, the word, and, and, just, and just search the word DH, all sure. I will see is Brock panicking over the DH issues in the first couple months. So am I panicking? Am I the same as that? Correctly. Well, I, I, I had an honest and fair critique as well, Stacey Rost was tweeting yesterday. Eh. It wasn't delusional. Yeah, it was. There was nothing out of bounds. Well, Their DH was the worst in the history of baseball for two months. So what do you want me to say? sample size. Yeah, well, anything can happen. Yes, a for short sample months. size. Exactly. And if they not had the worst DH in the history of baseball for right. two months, anyway, they may be up seven This games. is not about the DH or that. It is about the Seahawks <laughs> and whether or not they can stop the run. And so I hadn't really and they considered thirtieth ranked run defense. Absolutely, and you're totally within your bounds. Well, so I wasn't. Them. I wasn't. I didn't realize I had become so strongly oh, associated with it. So, all okay, right, Pierce made a T-shirt for you. Did he? He wants me to give it oh, to you. Good, yes. I can't wait. I know there are other things I get associated with. Yesterday, I got a lot of texts with uh, people saying "Oh boy!" as soon as Blowers uh, muttered "Oh boy" yes. under his breath for the Julio home run. Seahawks yes. and timeout usage certainly is something yes. that people will tweet me QB about, wins. et cetera. Yeah, so there's QB some wins. things I'm I'm associated with. What was that? Wrists. Hey, you don't like oh, I don't like wrists. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. But I didn't realize this was one. So anyway, I, I started. I thought I would sort of clarify my position and look at the the facts. First of all. Let's just, this is a fact. This is not an opinion. The Seahawks were not good at stopping the run last year. This is a fact. 4.9 yards per carry, 30th in the league. That's not good. They gave there's up, no way to spin it. They gave up 150 yards per game, third worst in the league behind only Houston and Chicago. They were not good at stopping the run. And it's not just the facts. It's that this is supposed to be a team in a Pete Carroll system built on physicality. And it's really difficult to claim that while you're getting blown four yards off the ball every time. They struggled to hold the line of scrimmage. They struggled to get into the backfield and make plays. They struggled to make tackles down the field. So all three parts, they struggled to communicate with each other. If there is a form of anything that helps you stop the run, they were not good at it last year. Can we agree Uh, on that? Justin and Maura, if you wouldn't mind, somewhere in News Boss, can you just uh, Google... Uh, fact checker because we used to have a fact checker and she came in at the end of every show and you know if we got something wrong the fact checker would let us know everything you have said so far pardon the interruption 
Pretty much, yeah. But it was a. It had like a little phone number. Do 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 do. This is a fact checker. Yeah, we had a fact checker. Salt didn't even remember. He didn't remember. Much. I don't remember doing but on that. But on this, are you on sure this case, when those, you were Danny? Nope. Uh-uh. Those were absolute facts. Okay. You're 100. percent Those are facts. You're 100. percent Since then, these are also facts. They've completely replaced their defensive line and middle linebacker situation. Right. They brought in Draymond Jones. They brought in Jaron Reed. They brought in Mario Edwards. Those are likely to be their three starters day one on the offensive line or defensive line. Rather, all three Mm -hmm. are brand new. They brought back Bobby Wagner. So look at they, they have made changes without a doubt to their defense and how they stop the run. The only guy who's likely to be back from last year is uh, Adams. What's the guy's first? I'm blanking on his first name. Uh, Miles. Miles Adams. Thank you. Fact checker, Miles. I'm what you call a fact checker. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yes. There's no way yes. I was here when we did that. What year is <laughs> yep. that from, Maura? Uh, it was, it was Danny's years. There was, it was oh, okay. definitely Danny's years. So I had nothing to you, do with it. No, you were still with it. No, I don't think so. I really don't think so. Wassel was a part of it. Wassel was here with you and Danny. We're going off on a lot of scientific. Yeah, anyway. What are we? Anyway, (laughs) looking at those three guys or four guys that they brought in, Jones, Reed, Edwards, and then Bobby. Jones, upgrade. Can we all, like, upgrade by all accounts. They spent a ton of money on him. At this point, is Jaron Reed an upgrade? Journeyman, at this point, like, looking at it objectively, and I like Jaron Reed. Bit of a journeyman. A little bit out of position at nose tackle, and by all accounts, didn't have a great season last year in Green Bay. Yeah, if he was asked to do nothing but do what the big man Al Woods' job was at nose tackle, it would not be an upgrade. But he's going to be asked to do more, and their scheme is going to be more diverse, and they're going to do more things. And yes, he is an upgrade from Quentin Jefferson and LJ Collier and Puna and the rest of them. Yes, upgrade. And then the last guy is definitely a journeyman, and that's uh, Mario Mario. Edwards, who, again, really enjoyed talking to him. And that's not to say he's a bad player that he won't fit well. But the best description of him, he's been on like six teams, Correct. is that he's a journeyman defensive tackle. Throw in Bobby, and I throw in the fact that the edge guys have certainly looked like they've improved, and that should help them stop the run. And Love seems like a sure tackler, better than what they had last year at the safety position. Yep. And so will this defense be better at stopping the run? My guess is the answer to that question will hinge on whether Draymond Jones is dominant and whether Jaron Reed can play nose tackle. Uh, let me just say, they will be better at stopping the run. They will not be 30th in the league. And I, I will bet you. you whatever you want to bet. Okay, They will be better than 30th in the league. Will they be better than 20th in the league? When Peter King, who goes about and does his tour, and, and you know Justin Morris sent this note to us yesterday from his Monday morning quarterback and talking about the Seahawks and so many things he likes, this is still the one area because yeah. Peter knows. An old school, run the ball, physical coach you have, as you said, you've got to complement that with your ability to win the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I kind of look at them and just on paper guessing, I'm going to say they're going to be somewhere in the 16 to 23 range in terms of stopping the run this year. And we'll find out whether or not that's good enough when it's coupled with a, a defense that should really be able to Come handle on. the passing game. Uh, they also just don't have very little depth at the position. I mean, after those three guys, mm-hmm. again, you're talking about Miles Adams and some rookie fourth and fifth rounders that maybe haven't even been able to stay healthy during camp. So yep. he, here's how I, after after being accused of now being manic, that's the text message. Salk <laughs> has been manic when it comes to the defensive line. I would call myself concerned, but open-minded. Did I say manic? Who said that? A texter. Oh, a texter. Yeah, oh, yeah. good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you have been very concerned. I'm concerned, but but I am open-minded to the fact that they could be better. I mean, like, you do have to look at the fact that there are three new defensive linemen and Bobby Wagner. This is not the same Correct. necessarily as it was last year. The question is, how much of an upgrade was it?
Yes, and bring down a different force player in Julian Love, and, and we'll see Jordan Brooks, whether or not he's back and, and put more in a natural position as a will linebacker. I mean, you could argue that they have changed 75% of that front seven, and that should and has to be better. You have to be. If, if you're going to do what many of these folks who have come in from the outside and seen this team and walked away impressed, and if you are going to actually – eclipse San Francisco and climb that ladder and gain all that ground with three losses against them last year, I'm going to say, Salk, that run defense has to be in the teens. But with has to be in the all teens. of that, like you just said, they changed so much of that front. Does it make you nervous that with that comes a lot of need for communication and so many of these guys haven't even been practicing? Yes, but... Yes, There's going to take some time to get it all together. Yes, that does make me nervous, and that's certainly been a problem the last few years. But there is one difference. 54. Like, if, if one of the big worries is communication out on the field, doesn't that have to be at least alleviated by having Bobby Wagner in the middle of it, a guy who understands everything that happens in this game before it happens? I would hope so. So, again, concerned but open-minded to the idea that they could be better, certainly, than they were a year ago. Kind of like me with the DH. Concerned. No, no, I don't think I'd say that. But open-minded, no, they would, would find my Ford. open-minded. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Full liar. We'll come right back, give you everything you need to know before a showdown with Jeff Passan at 830. It's Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Just another blah win for the Mariners yesterday, Brock. Four in a row once again. That's not even half, what, half of an eight-game win streak? That's barely anything to write home about for this team who already has two eight-gamers this month. But they win number four yesterday. Julio going yard again. And Brian Wu pretty much taking care of the rest. He was tremendous. Went six strong innings. Scott Service pretty happy with what he's getting out of his young pitcher. Brian's got that in his game. You know, when he gets locked in, he doesn't overdo it. It's almost like it looks like he's just playing catch in the backyard. He does it so effortlessly, and the ball's just jumping out from that, you know, unique slot that he has. But what excites me most, he threw a lot of breaking balls, the cutters for strikes tonight. When he does that with that type of fastball, he's going to have good results. I don't care who he's pitching against. So, again, name of the game here is throw strike one. Uh, He's doing a really good job. All of our young guys doing a really good job of it. Yeah, his his secondary stuff was that was that about as good as it's been all year. Yes, and I know it was Oakland, and I know that they've got kind of one major league hitter in Seth Smith. Uh, outside of that, there's a lot of it's sport. not Seth Smith. What is his name? Seth Brown. Seth, Seth Brown. Seth Brown. Yeah. Sorry, you know Seth Smith. It's Seth Brown. <laughs> but his if he if he commands that stuff. Goodness gracious. Yeah, especially against right-handers, man. They really, he's been arguably the best pitcher in the league against righties. And when they, if and when they make it to the playoffs, having Brian Wu come out of the pen late in the game against With that vertical attack angle? That is going to be pretty darn nasty. And oh yeah, Julio's been ridiculous. You know who else has been just crazy is this guy. Bowler ready and the next offer to JP. Swinging a fly ball deep in at right center field on the run. Butler to the one he track wall. Goodbye baseball. He did it again. JP Crawford with another leadoff home run. How fun is it to start every game up one nothing? Yeah, Julio, what, six of them or so, I, I think, in, in the leadoff spot uh, last year. And, and JP's not quite there, but JP's having a career year. An absolutely just phenomenal year in an offseason where he watched, I don't know, shortstops get some $2 billion or close to it out on the market. And he's showing everybody, now hold on just a second, before you crown all of them, 
remember, I'm a gold glove winner. And when I'm on my game and adding to my game as he's done with that power and that exit mm-hmm. velo, he has become a force not for these Mariners. to mention some of the leadership he brings that not all of those other guys do. Pretty darn cool. Unfortunately, the only bad news last night, everybody else won. The Astros went nuts. Altuve hit for the cycle for the first time in his career. That surprise you? Yes. He, he, like Julio, is the kind of guy who seems like they'd have multiple cycles just because of the multi-talents that they have. Texas comes back late to beat the Mets, obnoxious. And then Toronto all over Washington. So everybody else wins. Mariners stay a game up in the West. They will turn to George Kirby tonight against Ken Waldachuk and the A's. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, it'd be a tough day to be on the bubble in the NFL, Brock. Uh, what is that moment like? I mean, today, 1 o'clock is the deadline. What do you remember from cutdown day? Yeah, a lot of my buddies, man. I remember some of them saying, yeah, I'm going to get cut. They kind of saw the writing on the wall. You're not going to get cut. That's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, I went through a bunch of different experiences in the NFL. I had my contract terminated uh, a couple different times, but it wasn't on this day where some 1,200 guys around the league are sitting there making sure their phone is charged and hoping unlike the other end of it like on draft day where you're hoping that phone rings please 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 somebody just call me (laughs) let me live out my dream you want that phone ring today don't ring don't ring don't ring where is everyone are they all together during that or is everyone sort of scatter a lot of young guys are in their hotel room right is there you're not in the locker room together no, you're off. Today's an off day. Okay, good. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, nope. You, so it's not like everyone's sitting there and the Grim nope. Reaper just walks around plucking dudes. No, actually, the guys are back on the field today. They've been off the last two days. So you hope that, yeah, you get the call last night. You get that call this morning before you are in the locker room. But I saw that. I saw one player. <laughs> I won't mention his name, but he had some disparaging things to say about the head coach. Pretty frustrated with him. I think knew he was on the way out. And then it was like right up to the final minute, walking into the team room where at like 12 noon, you made the team. And 11.58, walking into that team room, yeah, he got the hook. Wow. Did they do that on purpose, do you think? Uh, Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. All right. Well, Seahawks are going to have to make 25 more cuts today. Something tells me Pete wouldn't do something like that. Ian Rappaport, let's see. You also played for Tony Dungy. I don't see a world in which Tony Dungy did that. Uh, No, no, that was in Seattle. Yeah, that sounds about right. Ian Rappaport gives an update yesterday on Jackson Smith and Jigba, says he's expected to begin the season on the active roster. Great news. No word yet on whether he'll be available for week one, but obviously uh, not being on IR would be a great positive sign. Here's the third thing you need to know. Ah, to be doing radio every morning in beautiful Phoenix. You could be talking about the Cardinals, who yesterday released Colt McCoy, the only serviceable quarterback on their roster who's healthy right now. Is looks like Kyler Murray's going to start the year on PUP. Josh Dobbs, they traded for him a week ago. And somebody named Clayton Toon. Do mm. you know who that is? Yeah, he played down in Houston. Throws the ball around tune, a little bit. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, All right. Tune. Sing that tune. Yeah, so you want to be a starting NFL quarterback, do you? <laughs> you, want, you want to be in Arizona? You got an opportunity. If you want to go play team? in Arizona, somebody could do it. Give me some of that Gannon. Give me some of that Jonathan Gannon. Compare I don't have that, thankfully. Compare and contrast Pete Carroll and Andy Reid and Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin and those guys on one end of the spectrum and then a rookie head coach. This joker. What's Arizona. up, Bird Gang? Jonathan Gannon, your new head coach. What's Arizona up? Cardinals. Ready to get to work. Buckle up. We're going to have some fun. 
looks like a parody of himself. It's unbelievable. All right, that's everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Can't keep playing that, man. That's funny. Yeah. Who's the funniest Arizona Cardinal head coach? I mean, you sort of have a few options. I mean, so now you've got Jonathan Gannon, who's ridiculous and, and such a, like, wannabe. You have Cliff you Kingsbury Brucey. over yeah. the last few years, right? Yeah. All, like, uh, you know, sitting back in his cool kid house and, you know, too cool for school, good looking, uh-huh. right out there looking for girls in old town. And then you got uh, Bruce eating paint twice and making excuses. Yeah. And then you got Dennis Green back in the day saying they were who they thought we were, right? Yeah. So who's the funniest Arizona Cardinal head coach? I don't know, but they have been a mess. And Mora sent us that, that link yesterday. Mora, who who wrote that article? Was that from The Athletic, where they went and looked at all the different organizations? Oh, yeah. Ben Standig. Ben Standig and reached out to all these different agents. It was from the agent's perspective. And kudos to John Schneider. Right, We talk about him not getting a lot of the credit he deserves from the agent business, third best GM in the league. Talent acquisition, respectful, working with him right behind Veach in Kansas City and Howie Roseman in Philly. And no surprise, Arizona, just an absolute dumpster fire. Text message, yes, Salk. Everyone's just sitting around in the meeting room while John Schneider walks around them like a giant game of Duck, Duck, Goose. (laughs) At the end, John starts running, and if you catch him, you get to stay on the team. All right, uh, we're going to talk to Jeff Passan coming up next. I'm sure uh, this will go well, as it always does. He was the third best guest we had last Wednesday or Tuesday. you going to tell him that? Yeah, absolutely. You don't think I'm going to? Of course I am. He deserves it. It's next on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, it is a big week full of baseball conversations, Brock, as the Mariners continue to roll. They've won four in a row after winning eight in a row after winning eight in a row. It's been an unbelievable 20-win month for them with a couple of games left to play against Oakland tonight and tomorrow. So uh, with all of that as a background, let's bring in our ESPN baseball expert, Jeff Passan, right now. Jeff, good morning. How are you? Michael, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. You see how I just throw the word expert out there like you know what you're talking about? You know what? I was wondering how long it was going to take for you to turn into uh, a sniveling little weasel and uh, should have taken the under. Yeah, I would take the under on that. Uh, I've been very good. Maura will tell you I have not been talking trash to anybody. Well, that's, that, that's, uh, that's, that's why I was not surprised because Maura said Mike's been pretty good. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's about to change. <laughs> I was saving it up, obviously. Yeah. Well, Jeff, what's sure. happening? The Mariners keep winning and the Rangers keep losing. Yeah, I know. It's amazing the way that baseball works, Mike. Right. You know, the Mariners spent the first four months of the season losing while the Rangers spent it winning. And suddenly you're convinced that uh, that this is the permanent state of I affairs. I am absolutely not, so by the way, convinced if, of if that. that. Oh, really? Because if you're not convinced of that, then why are you spending the entirety of your show slash existence gloating about it then. In fact, if you want to put your money where your mouth actually is and not ride this little wave that you're on right now, go ahead, lay some money down on the Mariners for winning it all. Well, I didn't say they were going to win at all. I just said they were better than the Rangers. And I said the Rangers were going to come back to Earth. Here's what I said. The Rangers are going to come back to Earth. Have the Rangers come back to Earth? 
they have come back. Okay, that's yeah. really the only thing that I've said that I felt truly comfortable in. Not even that do you, the do you think do you think the Mariners are going to finish ahead of the Rangers? I think they got a pretty good shot at it. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a great race yeah. down the stretch. Honestly, jokes aside, not not trying to to just be you know stupid. I think the Mariners have a chance at it. I think that it's a pretty yeah. dead heat right now between the three teams all battling within one game for this division, which is awesome totally. for baseball. It's yeah. awesome for us. And if Fantastic. I had to handicap it, I think I'd probably put the Mariners and Astros a hair ahead of the Rangers. How do you handicap it, Jeffrey? Um. I still think the Rangers are the best team in the division, but I, I have I have very little confidence in that at this point. It's it's almost I almost look at this the same way I look at the MVP race in the National League right now. Um, you know, Ronald Acuna for a long time was the favorite, and then you had hard charging Mookie Betts uh, going not just catching up to him, but. Uh, at least in wins above replacement, surpassing him. And and yet my instinct tells me it's probably Acuna's award still to to lose. And so I just, you know, I'm going to go with the team that for the longest time looked like the best contender or the closest to contending. Uh, but, again, very, very limited faith in my answer on that one because I think I think and have thought the Mariners, they're, they're a good team. And they have so much going for them even when they're not hitting. Like, that's the part that we have to remember. They, they stayed afloat because they're pitching staff. Uh, you know, they, they had a top five pitching staff in the first half of the season and, like, a bottom third offense. Since the All-Star break, guys, they have the second-best offense in baseball by OPS, and if you want to do it by weighted on base, they're actually better than Atlanta. And they have the second-best pitching staff by ERA behind Toronto. So this is as complete of a team as is playing baseball over the last month. You know, it's it's incredible. The last month, it's like a month and a half. At this yeah, point. it's really two That's months. It's been since their 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 low point on June thirtieth, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. So, Julio, yeah. I, I played this for Verducci yesterday. I want to get your thought on it as well. I love this quote. I'm curious whether you can buy any of it, but Julio was asked, I think over the weekend, about how hot the team has been, and he kind of didn't accept the premise of the question. Still, we're not hot. Like, I'm going to keep saying it. We're not hot. We're just playing the ball that I know we're capable of. I feel like every every single every single guy on this team that they know that we're, what, what they're capable of, we, we all see each other preparing ourselves. And I feel like that we're just playing the ball that we know we can. I feel like at the beginning of the year, everybody was... was seeing, oh, why is this, is this team not playing like this? It just This is just who we are. So, all right, look, obviously they're hot, but how much, <laughs> yeah, but how much do you love that, that way of thinking of it for a leader and best player on a team? I don't know. Should I love that? You don't? What do, what do you, no, what do, you, what do you love about that? I think, they, I think they are hot. I think they're playing out of Jeff, their minds right Jeff, now. Jeff, it was their best loss. Jeff, it was their best loss of the season. The Kansas City was the best loss. Of the <laughs> I think, I, here's, here's my point, Mike. I think that's suggesting that when you have won, what is it, like 20 out of 23 games? 20 out of 24 games, that that's who you are is just not realistic. This is not who they are. They're playing out of their minds right now. It also wasn't who they were earlier in the season, right? So, 
I, I guess the attitude there is fine. I just don't think he actually believes that. Okay, so make a list. Put a Jeff Passan list together. This isn't personal time with Passan. I gave you a whole week to okay. figure out that. So we'll get to that here shortly. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for that one. Good. Put put your list. I don't know if you're a yellow legal notepad guy like I am. Uh, every show, it's kind of crazy. It's what I do. Put a list together and and put a line down the middle of it. And on one side of it, tell me what's sustainable. And on the other side, what's not sustainable over the final 31 games, as Salk said, in an unbelievable epic race to the finish. I mean, when are we going back to? Are we going back to like July first, like you said? We are moving like, ahead from wanna... this day. From this day forward, right. you've do got to. Wanna, do we want to look at numbers looking back at July first, though, and say who's it, who's are sustainable? Sure. Um, because if if we do that, there's there have been I think fifty or so games uh, since July first. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is hitting three sixty. Uh, 413 on base and 597 slug. Is that sustainable? Yeah, actually, I think so. Uh, maybe not the 360, but the 1,000 OPS? Yeah, I, I think Julio can do that. Um, J.P. Crawford OPSing over 950 in that time. Is that sustainable? No, probably not. But he's been really good for two months. So He's actually been really good all year. Not that good, but he's been really good all year. Yeah. No, no, he's been like all world for two months, Mike. But yes, he, uh, like JP has had uh, a very good year. Uh, Gino Suarez, you know, 830 OPS. Uh, sustainable? Yeah. Cal Raleigh, 8860, 870. Sustainable? I don't think the home run rate is sustainable. I think he's been out of his mind power wise. And I know that's a, a big part of his game, but. Uh, it, can Cal Raleigh be an 800 OPS guy? Yeah. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez? Yeah. I think, I think when he's on a heater, especially, um, you know, he can look as good as anybody else. So these are, these are all guys. I don't think Josh Rovas is going to keep hitting the way he has. I don't think Dylan Moore is going to keep hitting the way he has, but there, there are a number of guys in the lineup who, when you look at them, you say, can they be the guys that they've been over the last two months? And the answer is yes, which is why the Mariners should feel as good about themselves as they do right now. Because that first half, Mike, I think was far less indicative of who they are than who they've been lately. But who they've been lately is the best version yeah. of themselves as opposed to the version who is likeliest to show up over these next yeah, and, and it's worth know, noting. I mean, 14 weeks. of those uh, of their last 18 wins have come against the White Sox and Royals and A's and Angels uh-huh. and Padres. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Many of the same teams yep. that the that the Rangers were beating up on earlier this season, honestly. Yep. I mean, like... And they've got... They, and listen, they've got... Um, I mean, they've got more A's. Like, they've got a couple more A's games. Yep. And they've got the Mets after that. Um, the Reds have been, like, okay... The, they haven't been the, the hot reds that we saw earlier this year. Um, and and then it gets tough, you know, it, it gets pretty tough. And that last, I'll tell you what, uh, those last nine games, my goodness, 10 games, I guess it'll be those last 10 games against the Texas teams. That's when I think we're going to know oh, yeah. what the Seattle Mariners are made of. Like well, I'm really looking forward to those last 10 days of the season just for those games among the AOS teams. So here's a funny thing about the Mariners. I was sort of thinking about this. We talked to Jeff Passan is they could really use the waiver trade deadline. 
that went away a few years ago. They could really use it because if they had another trade deadline right now, they probably would be even more all in than they were. And they'd probably go try to trade for a player like a Paul Seawald, ironically, of course, because they could really use another guy. Brash has not looked quite the same recently. Neither is Munoz. There's not a lot out there, obviously, because a player needs to be released in order for you to have a shot at him. I'll throw this guy's name out there just because he's a name, and you'd probably know whether he has anything left at all, either for a spot start or as a potential power arm out of the pen. Is there any reason to be intrigued by Noah Syndergaard? I mean, what's the harm, I guess? Um, But to to characterize Noah Syndergaard as a power arm these days would be a misnomer. Yeah. He is not. A, he is not a power arm right now. You know. You know why I think it would be really interesting to see how DMs would react right now uh, in in this fictional situation where we have a waiver trade deadline, um, because Colt Emerson and Ty Pete in particular uh, have been so freaking good <laughs> so far that it's almost like okay, well, you know what, we just got two more elite position players from the draft into our system. A year after we got Cole Young, uh, who is our number one prospect now uh, and who's been really good, and I believe it was a year after they got Harry Ford, uh, who is their second-ranked prospect, who's super talented. Like I, I will say this, as good as the Mariners have been, at developing starting pitchers. As good as the Mariners have been at taking scrappy relievers and turning them not just into reputable big league arms, but actually good big league arms. They're developing a reputation for doing the same thing with young bats. And we we saw it with Noel Di Marte and saw it with Edwin Arroyo, and both of them ended up getting Luis Castillo. Now we're seeing it with Young and Emerson and Ty Pete and Johnny Farmello is going to be playing and Felmin Celestin. Uh, I mean, what the Mariners are doing right now is a really nice exercise in building a sustainable winner. And the only thing at this point that is missing is John Stanton going out there and giving him a ton of money to compliment it. And it it feels like what the Mariners have done over the last few years as they built this thing together is earn that, earn the right to go out and take this core. That's really good and supercharge it into a no doubt championship contender for this next five year window. And I think they would say to you, Jeffrey, we are going to do that and pay all of those guys. Kind of like we watched the football team do in town with Earl and Sherm and Cam and Bobby and KJ and Russell and Marshawn and Doug. And if we've got all of this young talent that we know better than anything out there on the street, those are the guys that we want to reward. At least that would be their argument back. Okay, I gave you a whole week. And by the way, today, you're the best guest on the show. I mean, there's no, yeah, no doubt week, about Jeff, it. Last week, Jeff, you were third. I got to be honest. Geno Smith was so good. And then Josh Rojas was amazing. So you were the third best guest that day. I'm sorry to tell you. Today? Okay. I have no problem with that. Some days you got it. Some days you don't. Yeah. By the way, you ever talk to Josh Rojas? 
I haven't. Did you ask him my question about oh, superfluous yeah. ass? Oh, yes. What was his answer? He didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> and he found out later. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, what have I done? That's why this was available. <laughs> He's worth talking to at some point. Seriously, he was one of the most thoughtful, uh, deep-thinking baseball winded, players I've talked Longest to. winded we've ever, in a good yeah. way. Like, oh, my gosh. Hey, he's worth talk. he's worth your time at some point. Yeah, so it kind of changed our perception of reality. Go ahead and fire it, Justin. We haven't done this in a couple weeks. I don't know what was better, that or his Elmo. I don't know, but I'm hearing dogs now running down the street outside trying to see if they can listen oh, to the station. So good. So multi-talented passing. I asked you a week ago because it was on the heels of Gino that uh, you did come on with us, and we both, Salk and I, were like, man, that, that 20 minutes just changed some of the perception that we had seen him from afar but had never been with him and sat and got to know him. And so I was curious from your, all these years you've been doing this, has there been a player, an executive, whatever, whatever way you want to take this, where you had a perception and then you sat down and you actually broke bread and you're like, wow, the reality of that guy is so much different than what I perceived. Yeah, Randy Johnson scared me so much. And granted, it was probably because he's like a foot taller than me. And, uh, you know, there's a foot and a half. Yes, a foot. I'm actually, you know what? I used to say I'm five, nine and a half because Mm -hmm. I wanted to round up. Right. Broke your back. The half. (laughs) And then I broke my back. And in breaking my back, I lost a quarter inch. So I'm yep. probably a legit like five, eight and three quarters now. Right, if we're right. just like being straight. Yeah, but just uh, girls. Randy, Randy Johnson always had this reputation of like hating the media, being salty. Uh, and I remember toward the end of his career, I needed to talk with him about something and sat down with him. And he was such a like such a thoughtful, nice, respectful guy. I, I my my opinion of him totally changed in that moment. Um, it, on, on the other hand, there are times where uh, you get excited to talk with guys because, you know, you, you see him, whether it's talking on TV or something like that, uh, or, uh, you know, doing something on social media. And I remember that, like, Chris Coughlin, you remember former Rookie of the Year? Uh, seemed like a very nice guy and a funny and charming guy. And I talked with Chris Coughlin. What a turd. That guy sucked. So you can change your reputation in both directions based on one conversation. Mm -hmm. Never forget that. When you are talking with people and, and when you are making that impression with them, always try and make it a good one. Because if you don't, they may go on the radio and call you a turd. Yeah. We had the same experience with Randy Johnson. Brock and I did years ago. We interviewed him out on the field, remember, at uh, what was then Safeco. And I had the same thought of like, oh, man, this guy's going to be super scary. And he was the opposite. Like, he couldn't have been nicer. You know who else I would fit into that category is Gary Sheffield, who I talked to early in my career. uh, Dude, I'm telling you, uh, Chef was the other one who, when I was thinking of this answer, came to mind. 100%. I was so scared to talk to Gary Sheffield, who seemed so intimidating. And I did this long, like for me at the time, like this is my first year, maybe second year in this business, did like a 15 minute interview with him. He was talking all about steroids and racism and all this incredible stuff. And I was using an old mini disc player, which is what we used to have to use because that's, you know, what we had. 
and I had double clicked pause and didn't get one Ooh. word of it. <sighs> you know what? I actually uh, I, I was talking with Trey Turner last year for a story, and uh, I was talking with him in the clubhouse, and I didn't realize that my phone was still connected to the Bluetooth headphones mm-hmm. that were in my backpack. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I got nothing. And let me tell you what a mensch Trey Turner is. I reached out to him afterward. I said, I'm awful, and I really apologize. Is there any way we could do that same interview again? <laughs> because I don't want to pretend like I'm actually directly quoting you when right. I don't know specifically what you said. And God bless Trey Turner. Uh, we talked on the phone, and he went through the whole thing one more well, time. I so. asked Gary Sheffield, and he said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, last couple minutes here, Jeffrey, back to a couple mm-hmm. Mariner topics in particular. Can Julio, if he continues on this heater, as he says, not hot, just doing what he's doing, if he continues down this path, those numbers that you said, will he finish second in the American League MVP behind Otani? I, you know what? That's a great question, Rock, because I was talking with my boss yesterday about what the MVP race in the American League looks like after Shohei Otani. And it's a... Uh, uh, it's kind of grim. Like, I mean, if we just look at war alone, Simeon, right? right? Now, Isn't Simeon ahead of Julio? No, right now? no. Julio is second by fan graphs. Julio is second in the American league in war right now behind <laughs> Otani. Wow. Wow. Yeah, those mean, final, let's, let's those final at, 10 games. Yeah. Them final 10 games, let's, man, major league baseball with all this scheduling and, and everything they did this year. Kind of like the NFL did a couple years ago, where you know you just you're going to play in your division at the end of the year. You're just going to do it, and we're going to take our shot that it's going to be meaningful and it's going to matter. And my goodness gracious, in the American League West, uh, that plan uh, is going to turn out phenomenally, phenomenally. So, what's the answer? Is Julio number two? Okay, so my only hesitation right now is the offense isn't quite as good as somebody like Corey Seager's, mm-hmm. but Corey Seager's also been hurt for like 30 games. So I think those two are probably the two, three when it's all said and done. What about uh, Kirby versus Castillo? <laughs> That's such a good one. Well, and not, I don't mean for, for Cy Young necessarily. No. Cause I think, I think, uh, why not? Well, why maybe. Not, I mean, why not? Well, because neither of them Gosh. play in New York, and one of the candidates does. So you got to imagine that's going to help his candidacy. But you know, why? okay, can you? No, 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 no. Now, don't get don't distracted do by this. Don't get distracted. No, no, no. I want I'm, an I'm actual getting, answer. Oh, oh, don't get the guy who says dumb things says don't get distracted by the <laughs> dumb thing I just said. Okay. Okay, Mikey. Uh, you're the best. You are the best. Nobody makes me laugh harder in the show. It's so funny. Who who forgetting about Cy Young. If you if okay. the Mariners are to win the AL West, or okay, yeah. and they have their opportunity yeah. to set their lineup and their rotation yeah. for yeah. a ALDS because they would win the bye in that case. Who are you starting yeah. game one? Kirby or Castillo? I think it's start Castillo game one. But I could I could a hundred percent see if they started Kirby. It's 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 one A one B. It's you know fifty point one forty nine point nine. I I don't I don't see a huge difference between the two just in terms of anything really production performance stuff ceiling like they're both just like. 
think Scott Service knows better the psychology of who would respond better to starting in game two. I think because Castillo has been around longer, there's the expectation that you defer to the guy uh, who is, who is better, but you are not defer to the guy who's been around longer. Mm-hmm. But I also think you have to take into account like who's going to be in a better position to start game five, like who bounces back better, right? If, if you get to a, a situation, who do you want pitching in game five or potentially on really short rest in game four, if you need to, to salvage the season. You've been on it today, Passon. That spine's healing. Your your game is strong. It just as baseball turns into the final stretch, final thirty games. I mean, that's that's as good a passing as you're ever going to get, right there. It's hot. Strong. Brock, listen, it's September. Like we're, we're getting to the yep. we're getting to the point of the season where if you're not playing your best, uh, then why are you even playing? How is your back doing? Good. I went to the doctor yesterday uh, for the first time since getting out of the hospital and had an x-ray taken. And he said that there has been uh, no further degradation, which pretty much is the best news that I could get. Good. That's so, awesome. Uh, life, uh, life is good. And I think I may, I think, I think I'm going to the ballpark this weekend for the first time. Oh, that so. is fantastic. Why don't you and Salk meet up in New York? You know, Salk loves it. Go see the Mets, Mariners. <laughs> Get, get no, you Jeff, called, you know, Jeff called me stupid today, and all I do is say nice things like, geez, I hope your back's okay. I wonder how you're doing. But that's okay. You just call me stupid. It's fine. No, I didn't call you stupid. Oh, you said I said stupid, stupid things. Oh, right. yes. I said Big you said difference. stupid things. Very different. Yes. Different. No, that was good. Hey, by you're, the way. You're not, you're not stupid. It was fun watching your Royals. Seriously, I, I know you're in Kansas City. We, we, we've we gotten a chance to watch the three worst teams in baseball here over the course of the last few weeks with the Royals, White Sox, and yep. A's. It's amazing how different those three teams are. The the Royals are fun and plucky and just need pitching and seem like they could be kind of fun for the next few years. The A's are just completely devoid of any talent, and it's sad watching them. And then the White Sox are just odious. I mean, what a, what a com- three completely different ways to have a bad team. That is that is such an interesting perspective on the Royals because I think if you talk to any fan in Kansas City, they would vehemently disagree with really? your I think everyone here in Seattle yeah. is like, we don't ever want to see them again. Like they are, Scrappy, they are, feisty, yeah, feisty. they don't give yeah. up, and they're like, they can't pitch. God love them, but like, geez, they are a scrappy little team that nobody wants to play I here will, again. I will, I will, I will say this: like the maybe the closest thing in baseball to Julio is Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, he's yep. good. He's, he's really good. All right, Jeff, we got to run. You got to go. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. See you, boys. Take right, care. There you go. Our weekly chat with the great and uh, not stupid Jeff Passan. Are we talking to Dan Orlovsky next? Is that what we're going to do? Oh, yeah, just out of nowhere. This let's is go. what happens. Sometimes yeah. Dan Orlovsky just calls in. All right. Well, we're going to talk to Dan Orlovsky here in just a couple of minutes. Don't go anywhere. It's Brock and Salk.